7 through 14, we have National Marriage Week. And in that vein, we're going to talk about that topic today. When we look around society today, we see what appears to be the demise of the age-old institution of marriage. People and governments have redefined marriage and will likely continue to do so. Many young people are waiting longer to marry, and many more, in great part to avoid the pain of divorce, are choosing not to marry at all. All this has led to many articles, like the one being posted now, asking the question, is marriage an outdated tradition? Sadly, divorce rates around the globe continue to rise, and some of the key character traits necessary to create a lasting marriage seem to be lacking. In our so-called enlightened age, is it still possible for two people to be a husband and a wife for life? If so, how? Today's two returning guests will answer these questions for us and share some key ideas to creating a happy marriage that will last. I'd like to introduce today Mr. Adam West. Adam is joining us by Skype from upstate New York. You'll notice there are no icicles dangling off his eyebrows despite the polar vortex in his area. Uh, Mr. West is a longtime minister. He's a teacher of the Bible. He has also been married happily for 22 years at this point. Also returning is Mr. Jonathan McNair. Mr. McNair is a longtime minister and Bible teacher. He's written on the topic of marriage, spoken on it for a long time, and has been married for over 30 years at this point. So gentlemen, it is great to have you back on the program today, and I'm looking forward to what you have to add. I'd also like to just let our audience know that if you have any questions today, please message us. Send those messages our way, and we'll do our best to get to your questions. Well, Mr. West, let me start with you. As we jump into our questions today, what are some of the societal trends that we're witnessing related to marriage today? When we look around society, what kind of trends in marriage are we seeing? Well, we're definitely seeing a uh, continuing increase in uh, divorce rates. Uh, it's not just a problem in America, but it's a problem around the world. Uh, even in America, uh, it's it's right about 46 percent. Um, just looking at a sample of these uh, from uh, unifiedlawyers.com.au, uh, uh, their website provides uh, a lot of statistics. And uh, Germany at 44 percent, United Kingdom at 42 percent, New Zealand at 42 percent. Those are big numbers, and uh, this has been a societal trend for. For many years, uh, this uh, increase in the global uh, divorce rates. So, uh, one of the um, the another one of the big problems is just more un unmarried parents uh, cohabiting. Uh, this is this is something that uh, we're seeing uh, seeing a, a rise in. Uh, Thirty-five percent of all unmarried parents are uh, living with a partner. So. You know, as we look at that uh, from a societal standpoint, uh, if those uh, relationships break up, uh, we may not hear about it uh, as much in, in the statistics. But when you see that increase, uh, you know that uh, many of those relationships are not uh, standing the test of time. So you mentioned cohabitation. Do you think that people are cohabiting and parenting instead of getting married then? Uh, I believe that to be the case. Yes, um, 
various articles have come out, uh, one from the Pew Research Center, um, the title of it, The Changing Profile of Unmarried Parents, um, and it shows um, just a, a, um, an increase uh, in cohabitation, and, uh, and it's, a, it's where we're at in society uh, at this time. More and more are just choosing not to, not to get married. And the, um, you know, the convenience, I guess you might say, uh, some may view it as a convenience to uh, have these relationships without, um, when we say benefit of marriage, they see it as, as um, just as good. Uh, they put it on par. And, um, but I think for, for many reasons, uh, we can talk about that as we go along, but uh, many reasons uh, that uh, marriage has um, been around for a long, long time. And uh, go ahead. Okay, well, I was just going to ask Mr. McNair, what are some of the societal trends you're noticing as well? Well, <clears throat> I, I would like to go back to the article that you mentioned in the introduction, the Huffington Post article. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, the, the, the article highlights, uh, as far as a change, a societal change, it, it highlights the, the approach towards marriage. Mm -hmm. What we, what as a society, we even uh, think of as marriage. And I, it makes a quote I thought was interesting. Uh, where it says our idea of of marriage is an illusion and and what it says then as the author goes on and she says look um, in 1400 we lived to humans lived to the age of uh, 30 or 35 or 40 at the most mm -hmm. so marriage at that time was for life because you only live that long yet today we're living into our 80s so really uh, marriage really can be something that should only last for maybe 10 or 15 years, but then can be with someone else and someone else and someone else because we, we're living longer. So therefore, the whole idea is, is, is incorrect and incompatible with our modern times. That was an interesting quote, an interesting perspective. It, it, interesting Very different. perspective, interesting way to maybe rationalize why we don't need <coughs> marriage anymore. Yeah. Why do you think some of these, why do you think some people are rationalizing this? Why, why do people, why have people develop this perspective that we don't necessarily need marriage anymore. Any ideas, Mr. West? <clears throat> well, I think the statistics uh, alone are probably putting people off from it. Uh, you know, 46% uh, getting divorced in America. Uh, if if the, the risk is almost 50-50 that it's going to work out, uh, then I think that that just by nature uh, creates some, uh, uh, you know, need for certainty, uh, and uh, they don't want to they don't want to risk uh, putting that into it because of what that might mean. You know, you get married, you get divorced, and what are the ramifications? Well, there are all kinds of negative sides to divorce, uh, financially, emotionally, uh, especially if there are children involved, uh, a lot of uh, hurt, and uh, even the problems that can come from children who have been through a divorce, uh, the things that they face, you know, increased risk of premarital sex and drug abuse and alcoholism and and all of these things, it goes up exponentially uh, with divorce. And uh, so I think there are a number of factors that are just making people uh, look to uh, alternatives. I think that's pretty profound, the, the idea that um, 
you get a 50% roughly chance of divorce in many nations. In some nations, it's actually significantly higher than that, and some, and some lower. 50% chance, that's, that's flipping a coin. And so you flip a coin and will you stay married or will you not? And then you've got other nations where the numbers are higher and it's actually, you're more likely to divorce than you are to stay married. That, that is really sobering. You know, I think that fits with what, uh, what Adam's saying in terms of what's become the new normal. You know, and I, <clears throat> perhaps many in our audience, I, I, I would assume if we, if we look at the statistics, that many in our audience a, have grown up in a situation where their parents are divorced or maybe they were living with one or the other. Mm -hmm. And so when something becomes normal, um, it, it, and, and, and marriage in terms of the, the biblical design for marriage, the, the, the godly design for marriage is something that's just abnormal and unusual and, um, and something that's unfamiliar, I think that leads to also to a continuation of this trend. Let's push on just a little bit because we'll tie into what you're saying as well. What are some of the, excuse me, what are some of the key reasons that we see marriage failing today? We, we do see these failures. We see people not wanting to get married for various reasons that we've talked about, but what are some of the reasons that marriages are failing? Well, <coughs> again, uh, the Unified Lawyers um, website that, that I referenced, uh, they're saying that 44% of divorces are due to incompatibility or just growing apart. Mm. And, you know, that uh, that seems to be uh, a big one. Other, other uh, sites like uh, marriage.com, they have a list of 10 reasons. Uh, they put uh, infidelity as number one. And uh, uh, money as number two. Uh, lack of communication is number three, um, and and the list goes on. So there there are a lot of different different reasons that uh, that they fail, and uh, I think those are those are some of the most significant. Okay, you, you know, as as you mentioned, uh, there are a number of different ones: infidelity, um, sometimes abuse, drugs, drinking, different things. Um, but as was mentioned, when you look at, at the, the term incompatibility, which really was what no-fault divorce is about, right? In other words, people come and say, I, we, we just are I'm incompatible. We're not in love anymore. We're not in love anymore. We've grown apart. Um, I think, again, that, that lends to an atmosphere that actually it, it creates a momentum where <clears throat> people don't need a reason not to be married except just that they have, as, as I say, grown apart. Um, they're tired of each other. They're tired of, of the challenge of actually living in close proximity, working together, being patient with another person. They're, challenged of, they're tired of the challenge that marriage brings. And so when the new normal is that you can separate and go your separate ways, then as we see statistically, um, that, that has become the number one reason for divorce. It just simply incompatibilities is called. Well, let's think about that a little bit more. And I guess the bigger question I'm gonna pose is what are some of the things we can do to make <clears throat> marriages work? Uh, how does the Bible relate to that? What are some of your personal experiences, both as ministers and as Bible teachers and as husbands uh, in successful marriages? But I'd like to approach it from the perspective of 
marriage is growing apart. How does that happen? How do two people who spend all this time together before they get married and they fall in love and they have so many of these things in common in their lives that they actually want to spend the rest of their life together, at least in theory, how do, how do people begin to grow apart once they, they get married in the first place? Mr. McNair, you want to start that? Sure. You, you know, I, I think if it starts, uh, I think a, a big part of it actually starts well before the point at which they're struggling, you know, five or 10 or 15 years down the line. I, I think the starting point is actually before the starting point. In other words, when the premise for marriage is not, is not correct, when, it, we, when a, a couple does not go into a marriage with the, the, the understanding and the conviction that it is for life, that it's based on biblical guidelines, what happens is <clears throat> they can run on fumes for a while, they can run on the attraction, and they can run on the, the, the excitement of having something new, and they can run on the, uh, the fact that they have children, all these, these similarities when, when they're young. But as they continue to go through life, if there is not, number one, so I would, a starting point of, of many factors, but number one is the, the, a, a, a correct and uh, uh, frankly, a, a, a commonly held uh, set of values for what marriage is, if they do not have that, they're setting themselves up for future problems. Hmm. Well, this is sobering too, because I've, I've noticed as we look around society, it seems like a lot of people get into marriage without that even idea of a commitment. Uh, we, we hope it works, we hope it can go forward, we hope it can last, but you know, it's, it's very likely to fail at some point. <clears throat> Mr. West. I think uh, the, the uh, point of going into the relationship, and we have, uh, we have situations where you have individuals who have been from divorced homes. They may come into their new relationship, uh, and they don't employ a simple uh, uh, principle, and that is never to say the D word uh, in your marriage. Uh, never, you know, divorce. bring that up. And, uh, divorce. Yeah. And uh, if, uh, if they have the approach of a lifelong commitment, then that's not going to come into the, the discussion. But as soon as that is uh, let out of the gate, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to get that back. And then that trust uh, that if there was trust there, uh, that trust begins to diminish. And so you begin to see uh, kind of the cracks in the edifice uh, show uh, as the, the months or the years go by. And so I think there's also the, the, uh, the reality of some going into marriage with uh, what, what has been termed idealistic distortion, where they have a, a view of, of kind of the fairy tale wedding and uh, that that's the way it's going to be for the next 30 or 40 years, or however long it ends up being, uh, that there's, there's going to be, uh, you know, uh, literally a, a bed of roses and, and no troubles, and that this other person that they're, you know, this person that they're marrying is going to live up to uh, a very unrealistic standard. And when that happens, again, it begins to... Uh, to change the way uh, that individual views their spouse. They begin looking at all the flaws of that person and they begin to pick them apart. And in many ways, as continues, uh, they begin to see um, the, the weaknesses. And, and we can see those weaknesses in, in all of us if we, if we really look and put a magnifying glass. But 
uh, if you want the relationship to continue, you don't do that. Hmm. You know, <clears throat> and we, we're husbands here, and so we, we recognize, uh, I think, we recognize some of our weaknesses probably more as we're married longer. Um, they, they come out because we, we, we learn more about what we are. Before my wife and I was I were married, um, I I didn't realize I had any weaknesses, and, and, and it was only after being married a while I realized, wow, I didn't I didn't realize how impatient I was, and you know all of that, and so and then children it, come along and, and then, teach you that once again, don't they? So we 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 learn a lot about ourselves, and so we're all. You know, we're all in the same boat. We're we're struggling, and uh, perhaps we should have our wives on and and give their part of the story. But um, but I, I think it's important to realize right from the beginning too, if you're going to have a successful marriage, and we would define a, su a su successful marriage as a being guided by biblical principles, by godly principles, and so then <clears throat> a starting point has to be, and a continuing as as was mentioned, uh, for example, not. You know, not bringing in the D word, uh, divorce, um, as, as a guiding principle. Another guiding principle is, is recognizing that we have made a covenant with God. So when we consider breaking our, co our covenant with our husband or our wife, if we have gone into that covenant, uh, making a, recognizing that's a covenant with God, it, it, it brings a whole new light on, on, the whole, uh, on the whole arrangement. And I think that's that's really critical. So when we have problems, when we go before God, ask Him for strength. We recognize. We say, God, I want to I want to remain true to this covenant to You. That that changes the perspective with with uh, with with a marriage. Let me ask just a really quick question. Take a slight detour. You mentioned successful marriages are based on biblical principles. Uh, when we follow those biblical principles, then. What are the ramifications? What are the results? What happens when we practice biblical principles in our marriage? Well, God's word is truth, and as those principles are being applied, uh, there are there are simply um, positive outcomes to the application of God's word. And so, when we when we default to that God's word. Uh, there's going to be a positive, uh, you know, result. It may take time, but if we stay committed to that and and continue to uh, persevere in that, it will make a difference over time. So I'm going to pull yeah. a little bit more out of you. What are some of those positive outcomes that begin to happen? Well, you know, <clears throat> some have summarized the the way of God as the way of give versus versus the way of get. And if we th in marriage, if we if we frame our expectations, our demands, the, what, we're, what we're looking at in terms of marriage, if we frame it in a way, uh, in the way of give, where we actually stop ourselves sometimes and think, okay, am I being demanding? Am I, am I giving or am I, ask, am I, am I demanding uh, something from the other person? Am I demanding them to change? Am I demanding them to be someone they are not? Am I de to making demands of them or am I thinking, how can I give? How can I help? How can I, um, through my outgoing concern, how can I listen more or what have you? So I think give versus get, mm -hmm. fundamental in terms of marriage. Okay. Yeah. Mr. West. I I would say too that when we're when we're looking at the the give way, um, Ephesians five twenty one, I think it's sometimes a neglected concept in the lead up to 
Ephesians chapter 5 and verses uh, 23 to 33, or 22 to 33. Uh, verse 21 uh, tells us that we're to submit to one another in the fear of God. And if we take that approach, it doesn't uh, negate or abrogate the, the instructions given to the wife or to the husband in that covenant relationship, but it, it amplifies that marriage is about mutual giving. If one spouse is always uh, submitted, you know, wants to be submitted to or demands respect, that's not going to lead to a happy or fulfilled marriage for either one, ultimately. And so uh, submitting to one another, uh, seeking peace in the home, uh, all these things, I think, uh, you know, and, and looking at the way of give, how do we, you know, how do we give to one another? Well, there are <clears throat> just thinking practically, there may be things that that uh, and, and practically and personally, there may be things that that I don't like to do uh, that my wife does like to do. Well, I'm going to to say, okay, yes, um, I'll uh, you know help you with dinner tonight, and and she she enjoys cooking. I I don't. I have other interests, but we we do that together, and it can be time. I, I'm I'm learning. It can be a, a wonderful time together, uh, even just being in the kitchen and cooking. Uh, those are things we have to learn over time. Uh, there are things that I know I I I push her <laughs> to do in going to uh, say the the hardware store or these kinds of things. She doesn't she doesn't enjoy that, but she will go with me uh, because we're giving to one another. And it if it if it happens in those ways, it can happen across uh, every day and and add uh, decade to decade onto that. And it becomes something where each one is giving and, and submitting to one another in those things. And so you and your wife, um, as you give to each other, you obviously appreciate it when your spouse gives to you in, in a way that maybe uh, you know they don't really want to. But it's that extra time to spend together and to share. You and your wife believe the same way. What about someone who has a spouse that doesn't believe the same way? Do these principles still work? Well, ultimately, any any godly principle, biblical principle, uh, when it's put into action, uh, is going to work. God's word does not go out and come back empty. And so, uh, if if there's only one person who's adhering to that, there's still going to be a a net effect there. It's not going to do uh, nothing. Uh, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a benefit uh, for the relationship. You know, and I, and I think even <clears throat> two people who do who do share the same same values mm -hmm. and the same desire to to serve God, uh, even even yet, um, there are times when one may be more selfish <laughs> than the other, mm -hmm. and and so even when you share those values, um, there there's there is a time when one has to be uh, able to to exercise more patience. Uh, one has to be willing to exercise more perseverance, and particularly because, and, and, and what I'm, in other words, even with those same values, even if we both believe if we, in, in those things, we don't always do them as, as well as we should. So if, if both parties' goal is to try to, to the best of their ability, be patient, be perse persevere, long-suffering, etc., the fruits of God's Spirit, um, it, it still applies. Uh, but, but it really, I think it, it takes another part of it that we haven't touched on yet, and that's, that is communication. Because 
You know, um, Adam's just talking about going to the hardware store and his wife coming along or, or uh, vice versa, sharing that time. You know, a mate has to be able to express what they appreciate. And um, they have to, we have to be able to, to, uh, to, to the best of our ability. And that's hard because we communicate differently as men and women. We have to be able to communicate with each other. And, um, and even when our emotions are high or even when we're irritated, uh, even when we feel like we're, we're sort of going different paths, we have to be able to communicate with each other. It's, a, it's an important part of, of marriage. So what are some of those communication skills that need to happen? How, how do you communicate effectively with your mate? Well, being able to uh, talk about your emotions openly, some have a, a greater difficulty doing that. Uh, being able to say, you know, when this happened, you know, this is how I felt. That's an important uh, component because if you repress it, if you just put it all down and, and then blow up next week, your, your uh, spouse may not know uh, what you're even upset about. And so it's really making daily time to talk about things. Uh, we are living in a very fast-paced world, very fast-paced society, and you have to make time. You know, some people make time to go to the gym. Some people make time to, you know, uh, go to the, the football game or whatever it might be. But if you don't make time to speak with your uh, spouse and really listen, and active listening to where you are engaging in, in a back-and-forth conversation, not, not playing golf but playing tennis, as they say, uh, where it it's a sharing of of what you're feeling and thinking. Uh, if you can do that and you can make time to do it each day, uh, even taking a walk uh, doesn't have to be a, a, a really long walk, but but uh, being able to just walk, hold hands, talk about things, uh, it keeps you on the same page, mm. and that that can that can really make a big difference. I think I, I want to add to, to that, I think with, uh, with listening skills, a big part of communication skills are listening skills, and, and I'm going to add uncomfortable listening, because there are times when uh, we're, willing list, we're willing to listen, we, we feel good, and, and we're comfortable listening. There are times when what we're hearing is not comfortable, because our mate is actually uh, bringing out something that is, is uncomfortable to hear. We're, we're not, uh, we may not agree. We may not feel like it's a fair assessment of something we've said or done. But, so it's uncomfortable. But when we listen it at those times, hard times, difficult times, I think that means a, a lot to a mate. And we stay engaged. Um, I, I think that's, that's really important. Communication you're talking about is really important. I'd like you to address maybe frequency. How often do we need to speak to each other? You, you mentioned every day. Is that realistic or is just a couple times a week enough? And if we don't communicate regularly, what, what begins to happen, Mr. West? I, th I think if, uh, if you really love the other person, uh, they are an a intrinsic part of your life. The two shall become one flesh. And so uh, it's something that you wake up looking forward to. Uh, it's something that you, you, you don't want to let the day go by without uh, speaking and, and having that, that continuation of the relationship. Uh, the communication is what uh, that relationship is founded upon. And if the communication stops and then it begins to denigrate into uh, one person or both not knowing what the other's thinking, 
I think that can make it to where uh, that's when you have one person, you know, kind of rolling over and looking at the wall on one side of the bed and the other doing the same on the other. And that's, that's a recipe for disaster. And so uh, that communication has to be uh, fluid. It has to be continual. Uh, I, I, I think about it even in our relationship with God. Give us, our, give us this day our daily bread. We're to be praying every day. And so if we, you know, if we go a day without prayer, what does that say about our relationship with God? Mm. But if we are having that relationship with God and we're strengthening that line, that cord between us, that, that lifeline, uh, the same thing could be true with that relationship with the person we've entered into this covenant relationship with God. Uh, and so as we strengthen those cords, uh, even in Ecclesiastes, we're told a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so if, if you're praying and she's praying or, or what, whatever the situation might be, and then you're also communicating to each other, uh, that is going to strengthen that relationship and you're going to be able to weather uh, the tough times. Sounds like you're advocating for work to be done in marriage. This doesn't sound easy. Well, we're, we're, work, well worth it. we're winding down. Uh, what I would like to do, because we need to draw this to a conclusion, is ask each of you to share sort of a parting thought or a departing comment, observation that you'd like to leave our audience with today. Mr. McNair, would you like to start? Sure. You mentioned, you mentioned work. Um, I'd say this. Look, <clears throat> some of the things that we're talking about are really uh, attributes of someone who is trying to be a Christian. We're, we're trying to give we want to have a close relationship with God. We're trying to be patient. We're trying to be kind and loving and long-suffering, all these things. So in, in some way, a lot of what marriage about is, is about is not unique to marriage necessarily, but marriage is an ideal workshop, mentioned work, it's an ideal workshop to exercise and to, to, to grow in these characteristics and, and character traits. And so <clears throat> God's, he's really blessed us with this very close, intimate relationship when we can, we can learn, we can, we can exercise these attributes, and then we can also teach them to our children. And so it's, it's just a wonderful workshop, um, sometimes very challenging, but ultimately uh, very rewarding if we'll simply follow the guidelines that God has given us and ask him for his, for his help in doing so. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mr. West. I, I would like to leave our audience with the thought that, you know, make a commitment to always communicate. Once communication stops, uh, the relationship is in peril. And so do all you can to be open, be honest, uh, and share and give to your spouse. Remember also that uh, communication is a two-way street. And as Mr. McNair said, you know, practice active listening. Really focus on what your spouse is, is saying. Uh, that it's just a simple way to show that you care. Uh, I would say, of course, read our booklet, uh, God's Plan for a Happy Marriage. Uh, you can find it on the website, and it's it's just invaluable. It's something that's that's uh, more than a one-time read. It's something that can be a guidebook for for really having a happy marriage. Quick question for either of you here, as we end. Um, the world says that marriage should be a 50-50 relationship, but it sure sounds like you're advocating 
for something different than that. <laughs> it's really more of a hundred hundred, isn't it? In other words, both parties really need to give their all to their part of what it's supposed to be. And, and, that, and that is, that's important because God does give different uh, responsibilities, roles, different, uh, different ways of, and he, and he created us differently. Mm -hmm. So if we recognize God's design for marriage, then a husband and wife each give 100% into their part of, of, the, of the whole, it works. And I can't help but think of that scripture that when we give, uh, the principle is it, it comes back, pressed down and running over, which is exciting. Gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the program today. Thank you for sharing your, your insights as teachers and students of the scripture, but also as individuals who've been working hard in your own marriages to make them happy and certainly lasting so far. We have had the opportunity to hopefully address some of your questions. I haven't read them out loud, but we actually have hit on a number of your questions. There's a number of questions that we didn't address. And so I would just like to reiterate what Mr. West said a couple minutes ago. Take time to uh, jump on our website, tomorrowsworld.org, and pull up a copy of the booklet, God's Plan for Happy Marriage. That booklet goes into a lot more detail than we've had time to go into today. You know, a happy and lasting marriage between a husband and wife is very possible. Although many marriages today do end in divorce, many also last, and many of those are happy marriages, albeit not yet perfect. Truly happy marriages do have some of the same elements in common, and the Bible highlights many of these elements. Ultimately, happy marriages require something that seems counterintuitive today that we've been talking about putting the needs and the desires of our mate ahead of our own. Going out of our way to give to our mate virtually always results in blessings and happiness that come right back on us. When we give to our mate, they want to give back to us. So again, I encourage you to pull up that booklet. Also, if you visit the website tomorrowsworld.org and type in marriage as a topic, you will pull up many articles and also telecasts on this very same topic. So we do encourage you to go check out the website and see what you can find. We also encourage you to, if you want more answers to today's big questions in society, stay tuned to tomorrow's world, to TW. Uh, <laughs> let's try and remember that one. Come back to TW now each week and we'll try and answer some more of your questions. Next week, we do plan to talk about another interesting topic, the rise of strongman leaders. We hope you won't miss it. Have a great week.